Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, October 27th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. Okay, I am still here in Medellin. No, I haven't been kidnapped. No, I'm not doing cocaine. No, I'm not becoming a drug lord, <clears throat> unfortunately. Because there's a lot of good money in that business. No, I'm still here. It's a fantastic place. It's a place you don't want to leave. So maybe I won't. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. But yes, I'm still here in Medellin. It's interesting because there are uh, elections going on here this Sunday. So yeah, yes, believe it or not, they do elections on Sunday here instead of Tuesday because Tuesday is fucking stupid and makes absolutely no sense. Of course, people can't vote because they have to work and they can't get off work. So here they do it on a Sunday because they have more common sense. And even fewer people work here on Sunday than the United States. <clears throat> Sunday is a, a, a very uh, big day here. It's a religious day. People go to church, people take it pretty seriously and they don't work. So it's a great day to hold a vote. It's a fantastic day to hold a vote because people don't work and don't have to worry about it. So the elections on Sunday, <clears throat> this is the local elections. This is, you know, mayor, this is governor, this is, uh, you know, city council kind of stuff. Uh, the presidential election was was last year when when Gustavo Petro won. And they, they already hate Gustavo Petro. They already can't stand him. He's been in office a little over a year and they can't stand him. His approval is it's the same as, excuse me, you got Biden, Trump and and the president of Colombia, their approval is all about 30%. So they don't like him. He's a leftist. He's the first leftist president in a while. The guy before him was more conservative and the people didn't take him very long to realize the leftist politics isn't gonna work. They're worried that a leftist will allow crime to come back and you know, drug uh, cartels and stuff, which they got rid of. They don't want that to come back. And they think this guy is a little soft on crime and such. And uh, I believe that I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but his approval went down very quickly. So they don't like him. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to the local elections here for Alcalde and for Gubernador, uh, there's about, I guess, 10 to 12 people running in each race here. Um, and uh, it's just like the states when it comes to campaign paraphernalia, people handing them out in the streets. I'm staying in a nice little apartment and they just shoved them under the door. I mean, they were like 10 pamphlets shoved under the door. And that's what they do here. Same thing, you know, and um, they run, but they take their elections a lot more seriously than the United States. So what happens is since the elections on a Sunday, starting at 6 p.m. Saturday night, through 6 a.m. Monday morning, alcohol sales are not allowed. They don't, you're not allowed to sell alcohol. So it's kind of a, it's a dry 36 hours. They have a, a day and a half of no alcohol sales. Um, so if you want to drink for those 36 hours, you need to buy it ahead of time, stock it up in your, in your apartment or house, which is what people do here. So I guess the reasoning behind this is that they don't want people fighting come election time right they don't want people getting into like fights being drunk and getting into fights and also they want people to be <clears throat> very uh 
clear-minded when it comes to voting. They want people to have clear thoughts, and so they don't want them to be drunk. And also, there are a lot of other laws <clears throat> around the that period, um, which is electioneering isn't allowed, and they're very strict when it comes to that kind of thing. So they take their elections very seriously here. They want them to be as <clears throat> on the level as possible. They want people to be as clear-minded as possible, so no alcohol sales, and the electioneering has to end. So it's a lot stricter than the United States that way, um, which I thought was very interesting, right? So it's going to happen here. So, so tonight, Friday night, they're partying. It's crazy outside. I mean, they're just having a grand old time. It's, it's almost like this prohibition is going to start, even though it's only going to last for 36 hours. They... Uh, they're getting their drinking in, they're getting their partying in. Also, you know, it's a Halloween weekend, right? So they want to get their party in tonight because there'll be no partying with alcohol outdoors tomorrow night. Uh, so it's interesting to see these different, these variances in how the elections are run. Here, I came here at the right time, election time, right, to see how the elections are run. Another thing they do here is, I, I was looking at the election posters, every election poster, there was a number under the candidate's name with an X in it. No, Karthik, you have to wait. I haven't been on in a week, and I want to talk. If you want to come on later, it's fine. I'll let you in, but I'm going to talk a little bit first. Um, so because I'm in Colombia, you're not. Uh, so under the candidate's name, there's a number. Let's say Joe Blow 16, and there's an X through it. And I said to uh, a friend here, I said, what is this, what is this number with a, with an X through it? I don't understand this. He said, well, people here don't vote for um, a candidate. When they go vote, you can vote for a candidate, but you don't vote for the candidate's name. You vote for a number. You mark a number. I believe it says the candidate. So it'll say Joe Blow 27, and you have to mark 27. Why they do it that way, I'm not quite sure. It may be an easier way to count the votes. How many votes did 17 get? How many votes did 16 get? And so, um, you know, they can count the votes easier that way. I don't know. But that's what you have to do. You have to, you have to mark the number, not the candidate's name. That's another thing they do here that's, that's different than in the United States. Um, I think election night ends early here. Like I was told about 5, 6 o'clock because it's a Sunday. So people don't have to worry about getting off work and they can vote. Um, also here, um, if you vote, you get like, I met a guy who told me if he votes, he shows proof that he votes, he gets half a day off from work next week. He gets a half a day paid for voting. So they, they give you kind of incentives here. And someone even told me there was some money involved with some, at, at some point in voting, but they want people to vote. So they do whatever they have to, they, to encourage people to, to vote here and make it as easy as possible. Now, there is no early voting, from what I understand. There is no mail-in voting. Can you imagine? How can they survive without any mail-in voting? So once again, people in the United States, mostly the left, they'll say, oh, we know, no, it's, a, it's election oppression. If you don't send out mail, if you don't actually shove a ballot in someone's ass, it's an it's a, it's a oppression. You're oppressing the vote. You're suppressing the vote. You're suppressing the vote. Well, no. Because people should have the responsibility to go vote on election day. Now, I think the election should be on Sunday, 
in the United States, not Tuesday. It should either be a holiday Tuesday or it should be on a Sunday. There's no reason why you can't hold an election on a Sunday. In fact, I think in most countries it's done on a Sunday. Just the United States is done on this bizarre Tuesday. Why? Why can't you do it on a weekend? When you know fewer people have to work. I, I don't get it. That itself is kind of uh, suppressing the vote, right? And neither party has condemned the voting on a Tuesday. Neither party has talked enough about making Tuesday a federal holiday. Why aren't there people on the left saying, no, make it Sunday? Make it Sunday. Because they're full of shit. This whole idea of having to, if you don't shove a ballot in someone's mailbox, that you're suppressing the vote, that you're making it hard to vote, all you're basically saying is Americans are morons. And they can't get up off their asses and go vote. So people here have one day to do it. Okay? That you don't do it for a month ahead of time at City Hall like they do in, in San Francisco and California. You don't get you don't open up your mailbox a month ahead before month before the election and there's the ballot saying please fill me in. You don't have that because people are responsible enough to go vote on a Sunday and no one here, as far as I know, is calling that suppressing the vote. No one is saying that the vote is is suppressed here because they don't have early voting or they don't shove a ballot down someone's throat. It's called responsibility. Your civic responsibility is to go vote on election day once a year. Okay? And I understand the turn I'll find out what the turnout is when it happens on Sunday, and I'll report it next week. <clears throat> My understanding is, and this is no shock, that it's considerably higher than the United States. So being in election time is interesting, right? In fact, if you go to my Twitter page, or X, whatever you want to call it, at uh, Kachopoli Mike, uh, you'll see videos that I put up. I just put up a few videos about five minutes ago. One is of all the election paraphernalia, and the other two are a daytime video today, and a video I took about an hour ago, nighttime here, showing how the people are just having a great time before they're not allowed to drink for 36 hours. So I met someone here who speaks English pretty well, rare to find here. Um, and we were uh, talking and I was asking him some questions. And it's interesting because when we first started talking, he was trying to be nice when it came to the United States, right? He didn't want to offend me. But as I offered how much I hate it, <laughs> he became much more honest in his feelings towards the United States. And some of the things he said were, well, the United States is the third world country, not not Colombia. The United States is really screwed up in so many ways. You guys are really screwed up. He became much more honest once he realized I was not, um, you know, this uh, patriotic, jingoistic guy that thought the United States was the best country in the world and had no problems. He opened up. And I'm, I, my impression is a lot of people here who are politically minded feel the same way. They are not, they're loath to say it, probably, right? People are afraid to uh, uh, criticize the United States, especially to an American, because they assume we're all like, oh, we're the best country, you can't criticize us. But he's 100% right. The third world country, I've been here for, what's today? I, I don't know the days anymore. Tomorrow will be three weeks. Tomorrow will be three weeks that I've been here. And uh, this is a, not a third world country. The United States is a third world country. There are definitely homeless people here. I don't know if they have to be. You know, in San Francisco, I don't know how you cannot be 
not homeless. It's so fucking expensive to live there. It's not like you can just say one day, well, I'm going to get a job and I'll get my apartment for 4000 a month tomorrow. It's not going to work. But here, where you can get an apartment with roommates for 80, 80 bucks US, 100 bucks US a month, you know, it's, it's, it's less likely you'll have to be homeless if you put any effort into your life. So, but there are still some homeless people here, but it's not like, it, it's like, it's like homelessness in the 1980s in San Francisco. That's what it feels like, where it's like, yeah, you saw some people homeless. You saw, you know, people lying on the street here and there, um, but not the way it is now. I've showed people here the videos of San Francisco that a guy named Citizen J17, who is from Colombia, who lives in San Francisco, puts out. Domestic, who's here right now, puts these videos out of, you know, the homeless tents and the camps and the crap in the street. And someone was disgusting, peeling their wound today in San Francisco. There's a video of this guy peeling his wound in the middle of a park. You don't see any of that here. You don't see people, even the homeless people, have some more dignity. They don't walk with their pants down. They don't piss and shit on the street. They don't scream at you to put your cell phone away because they're psychotic. So there's not, my, my general feeling is that they also, the homeless people here are not like mentally disturbed the way they are in, in, in places like San Francisco. Um, so there's also that, you know, but any big city of four or five million people is going to have people who live on the streets where they want to live on the streets or they're forced to live on the streets. It's going to happen, right? So that's definitely an issue here in the more dense areas. In the more dense areas, you know, in, 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 the, in the busier areas, in the areas where more people live, in the areas where there might be more tourists, that's where you'll see it. You don't see it everywhere. You don't see it everywhere. Um, and you don't feel threatened by them. You don't feel um, in danger, okay, the way you do in San Francisco. You know, there's a, <laughs> I'm, in a I'm in an area of uh, Medellin now called um, Buenos Aires. And it's a real Medellin. This is not the tourist Medellin that I experienced for the first couple of weeks. This is when I got the Airbnb in this area, because I wanted to see a different area. When the Uber was taking me into here, I said, oh, shit, what did I get myself into? Because it's not, the apartments aren't pretty. They're not. They're real. They're worn down. They look a little bit like a barrio. By the way, every area is called a barrio here. It's not a negative connotation here, the way it is in the US, but that this, this looked like a real barrio, right? I said, oh shit, what did I get myself into? All right, so I said, oh, I booked a week. If it's, I don't like it, I'll just, you know, it's only a week. And uh, I love this area, it's my favorite area so far. It's real Medellin, it's real people. Uh, I could be the only person who's not from here, who's in this area right now, the only quote unquote tourist. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's very, it reminds me of the United States. It reminds me of a city like New York or Brooklyn in like the 1960s or 70s, where people would like cook in the streets. They'd have parties in the streets. The kids are playing in the streets. People are out. There are thousands of people out right now as I speak, just out there with lawn chairs, cooking, talking, drinking, having a good time, sitting on their stoops. Um, this is what it feels like to me. It feels like me with like New York used to be in a bygone era. 
a little bit of what I might remember growing up as a as a child in Brooklyn, a, a little taste of that. But they're still doing it here. So that's the kind of area I'm in now. And it's real. And the people are real people. And uh, there are great restaurants and local bars and cheaper than other areas of the city because it's not tourist areas, more locals. And I love it. And there's a tram that runs one block. There's a main drag that's one block from where I'm staying, which has tons of if you look at the videos I took today, that's from a block away from where I'm staying. Yet, where I am is much quieter, and it's just about a block or so away from that strip. And there's also a tram, part of the metro system, which runs. I've showed, I've shown videos of that also. So it's a very convenient area to be in. You can get anywhere you want on the public transportation. And um, it's vibrant, and it's lively, and it's... Uh, it's a, it feels like a real uh, community. It feels like the, the feeling I get is that everyone here knows each other. There's a, a school, it seems to be a girls' school, young girls, eight, nine years old, close by, I guess it's elementary school. And every day around noon, one o'clock, they get out for lunch and some guy right two feet away from my window cooks them like hot dogs and stuff, sausages for for lunch and they eat outside um so it's that kind of a place you get a feeling everyone knows each other it's generational they're probably wondering who the hell i am you know um but uh that's the feeling you get you know and um it doesn't exist i don't know if that exists anywhere in the united states anymore i really don't i i was telling uh someone here that you know I've lived in a building in San Francisco for seven years and I, you know, I know one or two people and that's it. And he could not believe it. And I said, yeah, and it's a building of like 250 units. He was shocked where here in a, in a, in a, in a building, they all know each other. They all know their neighbors here. They all help their neighbors. They all look out for their neighbors. They all watch out for their neighbors. So it's, it's definitely reminiscent of New York, maybe 40 years ago. Well, New York, it doesn't exist anymore. Why? Well, I can't answer that question, but that's certainly the case. And kids go out here and play and people, it's much more of an outdoor lifestyle here um, than in the States. People walk, they're much healthier here. We've talked about that, right? We've talked about the healthcare system. Now, there was a wrinkle in my love of the healthcare system here. I had an Uber driver a couple of days ago and we we're talking about the healthcare systems, his and mine. And um, he said, well, my, my daughter is 11 years old and she's in the hospital and they think she has brain cancer. And uh, I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And he said, and I, the government's not paying for like the, the testing, the scans, all that stuff. I have to pay for that out of pocket and it'll be the equivalent of about 3000 US dollars. And I was shocked. I said, wait a minute. I don't, I don't get it. Wait a minute. I thought the government paid for everything here. He said, no, the government will pay for basic stuff. But unless your income is near zero, you, you have to pay for these things. You have to pay for the specialist stuff if, unless you have no income. But he's an Uber driver, not a wealthy guy. And 3000 US, even though we know the same uh, cost if you don't have health insurance in the United States would be, you know, probably 50 times that. 
um, it's still a lot of money for an Uber driver here in in Colombia. So it's not uh, a, a socialized, a perfect socialized medicine. It's kind of a a blend between capitalism and socialism, where <clears throat> if you're very poor, everything's taken care of. But if you have a job, if you're able to work, they expect you to put in to pay. So that I didn't know. But I didn't know. I mean, you can decide for yourself whether that's good or bad. For this particular Uber driver, it's bad because he's an Uber driver. And he's now having to work 20 hours a day to pay the supplemental cost. Now, from what I understand, if you have a non-gig job, if you work for a company, just like the United States, you get health coverage. And I believe that is the best health coverage. If you, have, if you work and your job takes care of it, that's the best. So that's probably similar to the United States, right? The best coverage comes with a job that pays for it. Um, so I'm learning a little bit more about the system here and uh, that, you know, it's not the, the perfect utopia when it comes to, to healthcare, that it's certainly still much, much cheaper than the United States, right? Even dentistry is much cheaper. Orthodontistry is much cheaper here. Most kids here have braces. It's because, obviously, they can afford to put them on their kids here, <clears throat> where there are a lot of parents in the United States don't have, you know, no dental coverage. So you have to pay for orthodontistry, and it's very expensive. So uh, there are obviously things that are much better with the healthcare system here, but it's not perfect. Uh, I don't think it's quite the socialized system they have in other countries, maybe UK, France, Canada. Um, it's kind of a capitalism, socialism mm, hybrid, which is basically what the, the entire society here is. It's kind of a capitalism, socialism hybrid. Uh, it seems to work for most people, it would seem. Um, drugs are taken care of for the most part if you need drugs. Something I, I seem to have noticed is they don't seem to have as many drugs here as we have in the United States. In other words... You go into a, a drugstore and they don't have quite, the, there are a couple of things that I take that I can't find here. Uh, I, I thought it would be the opposite. I thought it'd be like Mexico where you get like steroids and testosterone, but not here. You can't get that stuff here in a drugstore. Um, but uh, it, so it doesn't have the variety that the United States has, but I think there's a reason for that because they don't need as many drugs here as we need in the United States. I was talking to my friend who was critical of the U.S., and he said, Daniel, I'll put you on in a minute, but he says exactly what Daniel always says on this show. People there are obese. They have high blood pressure. They have high cholesterol. They have all these problems, which leads to the healthcare system being so expensive and the need for all these medications that you don't need here. I think that's a big reason why they have like the basic medications here, but they don't have all the stuff we have in the United States because people here simply don't need it the way we need it in the United States. Um, so that I, I see is also a difference is that they don't have quite the varied drugs we have here uh, in the United States here. They don't have the, the variety that we have. And I'm sure that goes the same for prescription medicine, I would think also. Um, another interesting thing is that the, the, the guy I know, he has a very interesting job. His job is he's the translator. In other words, if someone like me goes to a hospital, uh, doctors, some doctors speak English, many doctors don't, he is a translator. So 
in other words, oh, I got a pain here, I got this pain here, I got a pain there, and he he translates it so the doctors can understand what my problem is. Um, but he said, <laughs> Americans have this thing where they need, they have so many different variations of pain, right? When you go to a doctor, right, in the U.S., they'll often, and you say, oh, I got a, I got this pain. What are they, what's the first thing they ask you? What kind is it? Stabbing? Sharp? Dull? He said, they don't do that here. Pain is pain. That's it. There's no what kind of pain it is, is, is it? It's a, uh, maybe we even have more pains in the United States than they have here. But I thought that was very interesting. He said, yeah, it's more complicated because Americans are always talking about the kind of pain they have. We're here, we don't. It's just simply pain is pain. Hey, Daniel, how's it going? How's it going over there? It's go going. Well, going? It's go going. All right. Didn't, didn't they used to say that around, around the, the uh, 80s or something? It's go going. It's go going. Could be. I don't remember. Um, I'm curious, um, what percentage of uh, Columbia women do you think um, are in the workforce outside the home? That's a great question. I don't know. I see a lot of women on the subway, on the metro, uh, you know, coming and going during the week. It seems like they're coming and going to work. It seems like there are a lot of professionally dressed women here. I, from the eye, my eye test, I'd say it's, it's pretty high. Yeah, I don't think they're like barefoot in the kitchen here. Um, but I don't know the percentage compared to the United States. But it's not like I only see men, you know, uh, well-dressed on the subway on rush hour. So I would think it's a pretty high percentage. Well, let's put it this way. You know, I think... Um, a lot of people want to, it would be good to have a household here where both people work because salaries aren't very high. Yeah. Um, one thing you're talking about earlier is just something, it's something that I've wondered about frequently. And that is um, you're talking about uh, you live in an apartment complex with 250 units and you know, one or two other people in the unit. That's not the way it used to be. Um, 1960s, 1950s, every any time previous to that um, in this country. It was probably around the 60s that it's when it started changing. And I've often wondered if this was because of the sexual revolution and because of uh, more women entering the workplace because it's only gotten worse since uh, the 1960s. And then it seemed to um, plateau as women were in the workforce in equal numbers with men, which was about in the 1990s. Mm. And so I've often wondered whether there's a connection or not. Um, I could just look around our neighborhood when I was a kid um, in the early 60s and could see that, that the mothers of the neighborhood were kind of this matrix that formed the fabric, the social fabric um, and connectedness of the neighborhood. And they were out and about during the day talking to each other and, and um, feeding this network and this underlying fabric and this, this social fabric in, in our society. And, 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 well, when you see movies that took place, let's say, in New York in the 50s and 60s, you see a lot of this hustle and bustle in the street, people, kids playing in the streets, people, you know, on their stoops talking, and you see that kind of activity, right? Right. That's the kind of activity I see here that we don't see 
in the state typically. Yeah, yeah, and, and I just have to have to wonder whether that is due to a change in our social fabric because women, um, largely because of uh, uh, of of hormone replacement and uh, the pill, um, we're, we're allowed to not allowed we're we're able to postpone getting pregnant and get in, and go into the workforce and delay pregnancy until they're in their 30s and 40s. Um, I have a very strong suspicion that underneath this, um, this um, detached society in which we live is, is that. Um, mm-hmm. one, one has to, one always has to be, if one is wise, one is always um, cognizant of looking for reciprocities and everything that you want. Um, maybe you can summarize it in the old statement, careful what you wish for, you just might get it. Uh, if you aren't looking for those reciprocities that are everywhere in the universe, they're going to take you by surprise. Um, yeah. And I just have to wonder if this is, if this is one of those surprises, um, one of those reciprocal relationships um, that exist within our society. And um, the more women are out in the workforce, the more the fabric of the society um, becomes you know, intercon- it becomes disconnected. Watch out! You're going to sound sexist. Watch out! It doesn't matter to me whether I sound it or not. It's, it's a question that I'm asking from a purely no, it's, it's, um, rational I, I, and scientific stand uh, perspective. Yeah. I want I want to answer the question. I don't have a dog in the race um, <laughs> or a horse in the race. Um, I, I just want to know if if this is the case, and and, and because I've been this and correlation that I've seen throughout my life. Um, and, and unlike the rest of the, <laughs> unlike so many people, I'm simply not afraid to ask questions. No, it's a good question, but I think it goes deeper than that. I think there's a, um, a need for a sense of community. I really do. I think there's a need, I think there's a sense of community need to interact with others in your community, to know your neighbor, and to know your neighbor is there for you and you're there for them. I just think it's a general thing. I don't think it has to do with anybody working or not working. I just think we've lost that that fabric, that importance. Well, it is important. So why don't yeah. we have it in the, in the States? Something is different in the States than in, in other countries where this fabric persists. I think there's a sense of, of, of individuality. Maybe it's a, a isolation in the United States where it's every person for themselves. I, I don't know. I mean, I, we've I always I, been, yeah, yeah, we've always been fiercely independent in this country. It's, it's, it's a, it's a big part. It's a big part of the, uh, the enlightenment period where this country was formed. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, certainly um, formed a lot of the underpinnings of our law when it comes to the I mean, country, but it's been there for a long time. And we didn't start seeing this deterioration in our social fabric until in the 1960s. No, that's true, you know. But once again, I, I don't, I, I don't think it's any one thing. I, I think that a big part of it in the United States is that people are very, it's seemingly now, they're very guarded, suspicious of others, uh, unwilling to get to know other people. And I think it's, it's, it's gotten to that point where it's just a, they're everyone's in their own clique, right? Everyone's in their own clique now in the United States, it seems. People get into a group, they don't let anyone else into that group, 
and they're very guarded. And I think that's a problem. I think that's part of it. I really do. I, sometimes I think it's very simple. I think there are people here in Medellin who, uh, the people here are very nice people, very kind people, willing to help you. They're willing to help a tourist. They're willing to help a, a, a stranger. So they're certainly going to be willing to help their neighbor. And I don't think we have that neighborly spirit in the United States anymore. Of course we don't. It's been gone for for decades. Yeah. I mean, it is. It really, it's a, it's a, you know, oh, okay. How about this? How about this as a, as a defining point? Okay. I'm going to take it from my own life. So growing up in Brooklyn, being born in Brooklyn, 1971, and growing up in Brooklyn until I was about six or seven, then moving to Staten Island. The thing we had in Staten Island that I never had in Brooklyn, Daniel, was a fence, a fence between my property and the other guy's property. And then there was a fence between that person's property and the next person's property. And something I've noticed through the years is those fences got higher and higher and higher. And more so, numerous. And more numerous. So we began to fence each other off, fence ourselves off. There are no fences here in Medellin. There are no fences. There are many uh, uh, barrios here or communas where it's basically one a building goes into the next building, which goes into the next building. There are no fences. There are no barriers. Yeah, and, that, and, yeah, and, and that is at one time the way the U.S. was as well for pretty much everywhere. I remember growing up um, when I was very small. We moved when I was four years old from Michigan to, to California, but we went back there every summer. And that transition from a non-fenced community to a fenced community was very interesting to watch. When we came to California, you saw the fences immediately, and it was shocking because in Michigan, yeah, we, we, in, in St. Charles, Michigan, which is where my parents grew up and where we'd go back every summer until I was in my teens, there were no fences. Nobody had a fence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but go back there now, there are fences. <laughs> yeah. So I think the fencing off of ourselves from our neighbors is how this really began. And I think that started to spread first through from the suburban areas like uh, Staten Island to the more <clears throat> urban areas such as Brooklyn and such. And I think that's happened. But even now, there aren't as many fences in Brooklyn as there is in places like Staten Island. But I think it started in the suburbia and it started to spread to the more urban areas where we just started to really either literally or figuratively, either way, fence ourselves off from our neighbors. And I think that has spread to a point in the United States now where people just don't know each other. Look, I live in an apartment building. There are no fences. There are walls, of course, between. Yeah, well, the walls are the fence. Right. But, you know, we've all, we put up our figurative fences yeah. know, between each other where it's, yeah. hello, hello, how are you, neighbor? Goodbye. See you next time. That's it. Yeah. It's, you need uh, sugar today. Um, do you, you know, I have, uh, I have some extra leftovers. Do you, do you want them? You, do you need, do you need me to watch out for your apartment while you're gone? There's very little of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back in the day, the, the old, um, 
stereotype of, of neighbors borrowing sugar and other uh, products for the kitchen. Um, we, we, you see that in movies sometimes, <laughs> infrequently, but you see it in movies sometimes um, as a caricature of, of those times. But it was so common back then. I mean, my mother would, and, and, and when, when we were growing up in the Bay, Bay Area and when we had spent all summer in uh, St. Charles, Michigan, my grandmother would ask us to go next door very frequently, maybe two or three times a week, um, and, and ask the neighbor if they had a cup of sugar we could borrow, um, a, a half gallon of milk that we could borrow, and we'll pay them, pay them back. It, it just took a lot more effort to get to, to the store back in those days. And so people were willing to do that sort of thing. But there was an underlying fabric. Um, and, you know, these, these fences didn't go, didn't go up um, prior. It was the deterioration of that underlying fabric um, that, that occurred before the fences went up. Um, and, and it's because, you know, when you don't know your neighbor, I would imagine that um, property disputes and who owns what becomes more um, contentious, um, and you're and you're guarded um, more when you don't know your neighbor. When you do know your neighbor, then you understand. Oh yeah, he knows the property line is at the garden, and he knows that that's easy is at the Big Apple Tree, and and there's none of this. Oh, I wonder if my neighbor understands where our property line is <laughs> because you well, haven't talked to your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, no one understands where a property line is, and and so that is a, a real issue, though. I don't think it's like a, a tangential thing. I think it's a root of a lot of our problems in the United States. It really is. Is this isolation? The way we've isolated, made ourselves an island. Every person is every man's an island, and I think that's one of that's one of the big issues with the United States and the and the problems we have. Another thing is this is very interesting. You'll laugh. Is that you know, I was talking to my friend here, and he said, why are all of your politicians so old? <laughs> and and he's right. Politicians here, and I'm looking at the people who are running for, for governor and mayor, they're from their 30s to maybe 60s, not, not 70s to death. And it's a huge difference. I mean, there are a lot of people running here who are like 30-something years old and look even younger, and you don't really have that much. In the United States, it's all these old people running and winning elections, and it's not. It, it, I don't think people in the United States understand how embarrassing this is. It's incredibly embarrassing. Yeah, well, that that as well is something that's uh, only in the last few decades has become um, part of the political landscape and, and fabric. Um, how old was JFK? When uh, he assumed the presidency, <laughs> he was a young man. Very young. young. Man. Yeah, well, there was a little reprieve with Obama, right? A young president. Yeah. And that was it. And then we went. Then we went really insane after that with the oldest of the old. Yeah. But it's a. Yeah. Uh, it's like that was it. Except for Obama, that was it. Everyone's old here, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. They don't. It's funny. <laughs> you, these things get around. Uh, he was talking about. Mitch McConnell, he said that guy who had like that brain seizure twice while he was talking. And I said, yeah, his name is Mitch McConnell. And so that stuff gets around. And yeah. that's a thing. You don't see Mitch McConnell's not like a just a schlub congressperson. He's the, 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 he's the minority leader. So you don't see that in other countries. You don't see their their politicians all of a sudden having mini strokes while they're talking. 
it's it's embarrassing and it gets yes. around it really does it doesn't well, just know, stay it, this is we have something called social media yeah ronald reagan kind of kicked it off i mean he he was uh, suffering from Alzheimer's dementia during during the um, debates of his before his um, last term in office, and to me, as a medical student at the time, it was really obvious. And uh, the rest of the world didn't seem to be picking up on it. <laughs> and um, and I was saying, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> before he leaves uh, the office, he is going to be a basket case, and he was, and he was very much protected for, uh, from the rest of the world um, and from their um, uh, finding out. Um, well, what and, Reagan, what and, Reagan and, if you, and if you think Biden isn't doing this, they aren't doing the same thing for Biden right now. <laughs> well, yeah, and, Reagan, and they've got a lot better tools to to Reagan, right? That. Reagan in his later years, Biden now, and we're seeing it from Trump now. They can own. They can't get off a teleprompter. If they get off a teleprompter, they're in really bad shape, and so. It's it's like they need the tel the teleprompter is the crutch for these guys. They yeah. can't ad lib. They can't have a normal conversation. They have to they have to have words on the screen that they can read and even they can't even read them anymore. Yeah. And we have we have very very sophisticated digital filtering that can be done in real time so that one can watch a real-time broadcast, video broadcast of somebody, and and they can literally make somebody look like they're 15, 20 years younger. Mm -hmm. and, and all kinds of journalists use this every single day and have been doing so for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. So I think people in the United States, not that they people Look, a big problem with everyone I've talked to Everyone who I've told, I'm in, I'm in Colombia, they all say something that's, I guess, understandably ignorant, like, oh, are you doing cocaine now? Are you doing drugs? Are you, you they, they, there's this perception still of Colombia as being like this big country. That's, that's the country called the United States. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Isn't that... Like like so much else in the last four to five years, the um, inside is out, outside is in, upside is down, etc. Um, yeah, so we we perceive Columbia as being a drug den when it's it's San Francisco. Absolutely, that hopefully fentanyl never gets here. I don't think they'll allow it to. I think what they'll do is what they did with uh, you know uh, their drug dealers in the past is they'll they'll kill people. <laughs> who try to deal that, which is what the United States should be doing. We should be killing, like Ron DeSantis wants to do at the border, kill everyone. They're bringing drugs in that are killing the kids, kill them, at the, just shoot them dead. That's what we need to do. That's what they did here and to Pablo Escobar. And so I think they kind of sort of noticed that we're not going to take this shit here. We're not going to allow you to, to bring fentanyl into this country. One person, thankfully, in a fentanyl fold here on the streets. I don't hear about any children dying of fentanyl poisoning here. So that's good. And I hope it stays that way. And I think it will because the government is not going to accept it. The United States accepts it, right? They accept it because the liberals say, oh, the bleeding heart liberals say, oh, well, we have to let everyone in. We have to be open borders. You know, they don't believe that here. They watch who they allow in here. We, they, don't, they don't have these nut job 
pro-Palestinian Hamas people ripping off posters off of fucking off of, off of uh, posts here. They don't have people like that here. They're not these Hamas extremists here. They won't let these scumbags in. They won't let them in. I'm surprised they let me in, Daniel. They let you? Oh. <laughs> At Columbia let you in, yeah. I thought I thought you were saying that the U.S. let you in. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, please, they don't have to let me in. It's fine. Well, well yeah. you, you, you're white and male, so you could have a lot of trouble getting back in when you when you try to come home. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll just uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll go the way of the of the immigrants and I'll go through the southern border. <laughs> and I, I, I have no desire to do that, but. That's uh, the interesting thing. Another dynamic is I had uh, I was asking people here, what is this thing about? Because there's still this idea among many people here that America is the country it maybe once was, right? They still have this idea that America is the place you can go to, you can move, right? You can become, you can go to uh, America and become Elon Musk. Right? Yeah. And that's the way they, some people here still believe that. You know, they still have that idea that America is the promised land that you need to get into. And I think, I think people are learning more and more that that's not really the case anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one last question. Um, they, they probably talk about the patriarchy a lot down there, don't they? Um, in what, what, what sense? <laughs> that was a joke, Mike. <laughs> oh, I don't. You know, I don't get your jokes. You know that by now. You, <laughs> you never you know get that gif. You know that gif of the little face with the joke going over it, the head with the joke going over it. That's me with your jokes. Your jokes. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's it's the proximity effect. You really have to be there to get my joke. Is, is kind of what I'm understanding. The facial yeah. expression is is the tell, and. I, I usually, I usually give everybody a little tiny hint that it's a joke just with Which the facial expression, yeah. Which so know they that, have it doesn't here. work on radio. What they have here, Daniel, on every corner, maybe every, maybe three, maybe three places every block. Maybe there are three stores in every block that sell chocolate cake. You would be in heaven, Daniel, because you can get chocolate cake everywhere here. There'd be no searching for chocolate cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I'd be searching for insulin instead. Yeah. No, but you see, they sell all that stuff here, but the people don't have diabetes here. You see, because it's called what? What's it called? You know what it's called? Portion control. Not just portion control, but exercise. You work the stuff off. You don't get fat from it. That's yeah, it would be it'd be interesting to to is. Um, to know what percent of, of jobs uh, in, in Colombia um, require manual labor to some degree, as opposed to the U.S. and Europe. Oh, I'm guessing it's much higher. I see a lot of people working outdoors here. A lot of people working outdoors here. Um, mostly younger, healthy guys, but they're, they're all. There's definitely much more manual labor here. No doubt about it. Who could do manual labor in the United States anymore? Very, very few people. Can can handle manual labor in the United States. So, like I say, I, I I've seen so few overweight people here. I've seen so few overweight people. Everyone's either read thin or athletic, and it's it's shocking when you start looking and, and actually looking at it and saying, "My goodness, 
they don't have any fat people here. I feel fat here. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm walking by a a nightclub on uh, Fillmore Street that for some reason is really booming tonight. And uh, there's a lot of fat women in line. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. That's the good old U.S. of A. Have you, have you followed uh, Wei Wu uh, Twitter account? I told you about Wei Wu's account. I think I have now. Yeah, oh. I think I've followed Wei Wu. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> Wei is 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 um, everything is about uh, sluts and perverts and and fat people <laughs> and send, and sending the sluts and perverts on uh, her moon rocket, which she's going to build because she's an engineering student. Um, she's going to send all the sluts and perverts to the, to the moon on her rocket. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how many ways you can um, uh, <laughs> pitch that message and be absolutely hilarious every single day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is Gavin Newsom still a governor? What's that? Is Gavin Newsom still a governor? Is Gavin Newsom still governor? Is that what you're asking yeah. me? Yes. Yeah, only, only because the... Uh, well, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna say that. I'm, I'm staying here. I'm staying like here. That. Let me know when he's not governing more. Keep me informed, Daniel. Yeah. Thanks for the call. I okay. Have a great night. All right. That's unfortunate. I thought something may have happened. I guess not. I guess he's still still governor. All right. Yeah. Didn't he just go to the China? Didn't he take a photo by the Great Wall? Didn't he take a photo by the? That's that's standing by the Great Wall with all that. Hair gel in his hair. Oh, my goodness. Well, there are still some people, as I look through social media, who think it's going to be a Newsom-DeSantis uh, matchup. We've been saying that for two years now. I'm waiting for it to happen. I don't know. But uh, it is embarrassing when you talk to people here and they talk about how old our politicians are. And not just any politician, but, you know, the top politicians, the Speaker of the House, the, the uh, I'm sorry, the minority leader in the Senate, the president people running for president, everyone's so damn old. Um, because we don't say, no, you can't run at that age, which we should. We need to have a maximum age. We have a minimum age. We should have a maximum age, period. That's the way it should be. That's what we need to do. But these people won't do it. The people in Congress won't do that because they want to be able to run when they're 80 years old, right? They want to, they want to continue to live off the public tit forever. So they're not going to put in term limits. They're not going to put in a maximum age. And we have to deal with this incredible embarrassment. It's really incredibly embarrassing. So now there's another mass shooting, right? And uh, there's a mass shooting in Maine. The guy just killed himself today. And uh, it's the same old story over and over again, right? He's mentally disturbed, schizophrenic, blah, blah. I see these people in San Francisco all the time, right? But uh, it's the same old story. It's the same old story, which is, it's not the guns, it's the health care, it's the mental health care. I just said a few minutes ago, I don't notice people, you know, there's a guy in my area that I'm in now. And like I say, it's an old fashioned area. You feel like the United States in the 50s and 60s and 70s. One thing that's incredibly old fashioned that you probably get in, in many South American countries, is people who push cars through the street and they sell food. There are 
people selling fruit, you know, watermelon in a cup, mangoes, people sell everything. This guy pushes a cart and he sells bananas. And I'm not an early morning person, uh, but at 9 a.m. you hear him. Now, when I first heard it, because I live in San Francisco, I assumed it was a crazy person screaming in the street. That My first thought was, oh, shit, you have crazy people screaming in the streets here. No, it was an older man pushing a cart of bananas with, with a microphone. And he was talking to the microphone. And he's saying something in Spanish, probably to the sense of, you know, this is what I'm selling for this price. And uh, that you still have here. You have people, I haven't seen shaved Remember the, in Brooklyn, in the old Italians, the shaved ice with the flavoring? I haven't seen that yet, but I've seen people selling fruits, bananas, uh, and all, all kinds of foods. So you have that here, which is also incredibly old-fashioned. I love it. It doesn't even bother me that this guy is screaming at 9 o'clock in the morning because I think it's great that people are selling stuff in the streets here. Um, so you have that. And you don't have, but listen, my, my first thought was it was a crazy schizophrenic person because that's what we have in San Francisco. And you don't have that here. I don't see the mental health problems here you see in the States. So some people with those mental health problems have obsessions and they carry them out, right? They have sick obsessions. They have sick, twisted obsessions and they carry them out like this guy did in Maine. And so when you're in a country like Colombia, you understand even more that it's not a gun issue. People can get guns here. People can get guns here. I mean, there was just guns were all over this country, right? With the, with the narco-terrorism, people can get guns here, but you don't have the mental health issues that you have in the United States. So it's about the mental health. Yet these moron liberals will always continue to scream about guns, about AR-15s, even though they don't know the difference between an AR-15 and an MG-27. They have no fucking clue what an AR-15 is. So... The question I always ask is, okay, you take the AR-15s away, because that's what they always want to do, right? But you, which you, first of all, what you can't do, there's, once again, liberals have no common sense. There are so many of these guns on the streets. There are millions of these guns on the streets that you can never get them off the streets. It'll never happen. So people always have at least black market access to an AR-15. But let's say they can't get an AR-15. There are no other guns they can get to kill people. So in other words, if a sick, psychopathic, sociopathic, twisted individual wants to kill people and they can't find an AR-15, are they going to say, well, I guess I'll just become normal. I guess, uh, I guess my obsession can't be carried out. Oh, well, bad news for me. That's how dumb liberals are. No, they will find a way to get it or get something else that will do just as much damage in just as much amount of time. But it's constant with the liberals in the United States. Constant. Constant. With the Second Amendment. With the, You could put the Second Amendment in Colombia and <laughs> mass shootings aren't going to go up because people aren't fucking fucked up in the head here the way they are in the United States. And if they are, they have the access to treatment for free. You see the difference? That's the difference. Another thing that contributes to these mental health issues is the pharmaceutical companies in the United States. Like I said, you can't get all the drugs in the United States. You can't get them here the way you can get them the, the variety of drug in the United States. You can't get it here. So the pharmaceutical company isn't 
pumping shit drugs into people's brains here that make them crazy the way you have in the United States, right? These anti-psychotic drugs, these, the, all these, all these, all these uh, kinds of drugs, I eat all the hormones that you don't see the trans thing here, the way you do in the United States, all these uh, giving these fucking drugs to kids that fuck them up. You don't see that here. So that's also why the mental health problem isn't, uh, isn't as bad as it is in the United States. And you don't get these mass shootings here and mass killings here. So, it's it was obvious to me living in the United States, the issues. But when you come to a place like Colombia, then you understand it's not about the Second Amendment. It's not about guns. It's about mental health. It's about people being able to be sane. And if they have health, mental health problems, getting the help they need, you see. So that bullshit that comes from the left seems even more lame when you spend some time outside the United States. It's even more, um, what's the word I want to use? Just dull, banal, stupid, pointless, idiotic, no common sense. When you're outside the United States and you see it's about the mental health. When have we seen a shooting in the United States where, oh, they say, oh, this guy was tip-top mental shape, no mental health problems whatsoever. Just decide to kill people. You never see that. They're always mental health. It's always schizophrenia. Always. That's the problem. That's the problem. And yes, if in a fantastical, magical world, there were no guns at all, they would get a machete. They would get whatever they could to fulfill their obsession, their sick um, a, a pathology. They would get a car and drive it into a crowd of 500 people, easily killing 20, 30 people. They would do that, we've seen them do that. So stop with this bullshit of guns. It's like I say, it's silly when you're living in the United States, but when you're outside the United States, it's fucking bat crap, idiotic, moronic, and stupid. It's not about the guns. It's not about the second amendment. It's simply about mental health. Mental health. If you make people mentally healthier, you'll see less mass shootings. The United States have gotten sicker and sicker and sicker. It's gotten sicker. There have always been guns. There have always been, there's always been the Second Amendment. There's always been guns. There's always been, for a long time now, there have been semi-automatic guns and guns around where you can kill a lot of people in a short period of time. But what's gotten worse is mental health. What's gotten worse is the pharmaceutical companies making money, pumping shit into people that makes them go crazy. That's the problem in the United States. Period. It is the only problem. Uh, it's not even a combination of things anymore to me. It's about mental health. But you see, that's a lot tougher to combat it's a lot tougher for a politician to go after the fact that there's no access to mental health care. It's a lot tougher for a, a liberal politician to go after big pharma, especially after we see how they got on their knees and opened their mouths for big pharma for three fucking years. That's tough. It's easy to blame guns. It's easy for a slimy scumbag like Gavin Newsom to blame guns. The guy gets a hard on every time there's a mass shooting. The guy gets sexually aroused by mass shootings because then he knows he can go on Twitter and open his greasy fucking slimy scumbag mouth and talk about guns. 
He loves it. He lives for it. He dreams of mass shootings, this hair gel king scumbag that he is. I've always hated him, but I hate him even more now. I hate him even more now. You can truly see what a piece of shit this guy is. And all Democrats like him who use people's torture and their and their their loss of, of loved ones for political purposes to push this ridiculous, lame, facile, disgusting, simplistic, no common sense idea that it's all about the guns. It's not at all about the guns. In fact, as we know, as we've said many times on this show, in Gavin Newsom State, is uh, Gavin Newsom State is more dangerous than Columbia. Gavin Newsom State is a very dangerous state with all their gun laws, with all their constant pushing of gun laws, with Democrats having a supermajority in the state and running everything, and their hair gel king opening his fucking mouth all the time. They have more crime than Columbia. They have more crime than Florida. They're a more dangerous place. People feel in danger in California because they can't defend themselves from criminals. The criminals have the guns. Gavin Newsom releases criminals from prison, allows criminals to get guns. His gun laws don't prevent criminals from getting guns. They prevent law-abiding citizens from getting guns to protect themselves from the criminals. And now what people are seeing, now what liberals are seeing, because now they're dying and they're being raped and looted in California, what liberals are doing now is they're saying, you know what? I think I'm going to get a gun just in case. And now liberals are finding out how difficult it really is to get a gun. That's not so easy as the hair gel king tries to tell them it is to get a gun. It's very difficult to get a gun. Now they're seeing that because now they want a gun to defend themselves. Gavin Newsom State is a third world country. Look at L.A. Look at San Francisco. Look at these shitholes that Gavin Newsom and his Democratic cronies have created in California. Talk about a place that was once a place that people, and even people here in Colombia still have this idea of California. Oh, California, California, wow. sunshine and Hollywood and 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 uh, and promise the promised land, but it's not. It used to be that everyone used to want to go to California. They used to be ahead of the rest of the country in a lot of things. California now they're. Just a, 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 a total third world state is what they are. A third world state. And this guy has the nerve to come on every time something happens and blame guns and talk about how dangerous it is in other places when his state statistically is one of the most dangerous. Once again, California would be the fifth largest country in the world. They would be one of the most dangerous crime-ridden countries in the world, if it were a country. And that the regular people, the law-abiding citizens, are left to their own device when it comes to defending themselves from miscreants in the streets. I put up my videos here in Medellin, and there's not any boarded up stores. No, no stores with, with, uh, with uh, bars all over them. No stores with... Uh, uh, that are went out of business. No drugstores that have to put up, uh, you know, their their wooden barriers every night when they close. None of that. There's none of that. 
There's a ton of it in Gavin Newsom's state. Why, Gavin? Why? Why, you, you slimy, greasy scumbag? Why is it in your state of California, but not Columbia? Why? Why? So it's great to see this. In, in Medellin. It's great to see a city that's on the rise, that's climbing. It's great to see the life. It's great to see the energy. It's great to see the small businesses thriving, but it makes you so depressed because you know what California's like, and you know what San Francisco's like, you know what LA's like, and New York City, and Chicago, and New Orleans, and you know what the United States is like, run by liberal Democrats. The problem is mental health, but the problem is also liberal Democrats. That's also the problem. Did you see the video of that guy in, was it Brooklyn? I think it was Brooklyn. That pro-Hamas guy ripping down the posters of the, the kidnapped victims of Hamas. And then he was confronted by a guy who said, you know, a couple of people, but one guy in particular confronted him, very New York guy, and said, you know, I'm not a Jew. My friends aren't Jews, but you have no right to, this is, this is, you have no right to tear down posters. You have no right to do that. You have no proof these people weren't actually kidnapped. That's in your, in your head. That's your conspiracy. Now, the thing to do is to arrest these people for public destruction, right? But destroying property is not theirs. That's the thing to do is to throw them in jail. And this goes for anybody who's ripping anybody. If no one has the right to rip posters off of signposts of any kind. People can believe what they see. and People cannot believe what they see. But And then this, this scumbag, not only does he rip the poster off, but he throws it on the sidewalk and litters. And then he doesn't want people to think that his kind are Neanderthals. He wants people to think the United States should continue to let in people like him. <laughs> this is another difference you see in other countries that they don't allow in people who they don't want in, right? So we see that now, right? Where Egypt won't even allow these people in. Why? Why won't Egypt allow their, their brethren in? Why? Well, the answer is pretty simple. They believe many of them are terrorists and dangerous. And they don't want to take the chance. They don't want to take the chance. So now we're in a situation where we're going to have this constant back and forth now, right? You have Hamas doing their thing and Israel doing their thing and people claiming that Hamas is doing this and Israel's doing that and Israel's going overboard and this is happening and that's happening and, and this back and forth volley, this back and forth volley that is just never ending. It's never ending. So it does not help the, the plight of the Palestinians to have people like this who are just ripping posters. It's not just Palestinians, by the way. It's these, it's these scumbag liberals, these elitist liberals in New York, these pink-haired fucking trans, lesbo, pink-haired freaks who are also ripping signs. Off. They, they, why don't they send them? Why don't they go to Pal Why don't they go to the Gaza and fight for the cause? Why go? 
go, go to Gaza and fight for your cause. Fight the Jews, fight the Israelis, go, go do it. No, no, but you see, these people are the lowest of the low, they're miscreants that I want to squash like a bug with my foot. These elitist trash who go around ripping signs. This is their big heroic move. This is their heroism, ripping posters off of a signpost on the Lower East Side in Soho in Chelsea. Oh, you're such a hero. You're so heroic. Oh, please. I despise them, each and every one of them. I despise them even more when I see the good people here of Medellin who appreciate every little thing, don't have a lot of money, aren't elitists. And you have this, this scum, this liberal scum. These people who are making six figures, some people are making six figures, and they're going around ripping posts. They're going around ripping off posters of people who were kidnapped. Go fight for what you believe in. You truly believe Netanyahu's awful and the Jews are terrible, the Israelis are horrible, and the Hamas are just innocent victims, then go fight if that's what you believe in. But no, you tear posters off of signposts because you are a fucking little amoeba, lowlife, worthless creep. So what else was this? this so much was happening. So much happens. This, Trump isn't making any sense. He's he's getting Turkey and and uh, Hungary mixed up. He thinks the leader of Turkey is a leader of Hungary. This guy's a total fucking disaster. You know, when you look at American politics, and you you realize that most of the people you're surrounded by are like Trump supporters or Biden supporters, and and you have all these Biden and Trump supporters, and you think, my goodness. This is just, I mean, it's a hellhole. It really is. That anyone who can look at Joe Biden or Donald Trump and think either of them should be president for four more years is a sick person. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's not, it's not like people say, oh, Mike, no, no, no. People have po differing political opinions. No. Yeah, I, I agree. R Mitt Romney and, and do you like Mitt Romney or do you like uh, Obama? Do you like Obama or do you like McCain? Yeah, normal. Are you a Hillary person or, you know, or a, a Bernie supporter? I think there's a clear distinction, but I'm not going to call you crazy if you like Hillary Clinton. But no, if you think that Joe Biden or Donald Trump should be president for four fucking years until 2020, what year would it be? 2020, what, nine you're, you're a sick person. There's no, it's not, I think you like, you disagree with me politically. Oh, you're wrong. No, no, you're a sick individual. You are a sick person. I'm sorry. Neither of these men should be anywhere near the White House. Not when you have choices like Ron DeSantis or RFK Jr. If you're on the right, you have a, a choice of DeSantis. From the left, you've got RFK Jr. You've got these two great men right there. And you're preferring Biden or Trump? No, something's wrong with you. You have to, you need help. 
get that mental health that you can't get because it's impossible for me to to even uh, consider that you have any kind of sanity left at all. I mean, you have a guy in Joe Biden who, who could barely speak. Even with a teleprompter, he can barely speak. He can barely walk and he can barely speak, which would not be that embarrassing for someone his age. Normally, there are a lot of people in their early 80s who have trouble walking and speaking. It's normal. It's not abnormal. It shouldn't be president of the United States. Do you see a Fortune 500 company hiring someone who's 82 to run the company? No, no. These companies won't even hire anyone 82 to work in the mailroom. It's not normal. I'm sorry, it's not normal. It's abnormal. It's a sickness. It's not real. It's stupid. It's, and as I was saying to people here, people in America elect these people, right? It's so the American people are sick because anyone can run, even though they shouldn't be able to. Mike Chapoli law, someone Trump's age, Biden's age, would not be able to run for public office in America, but they can run, but people can still not elect them, right? I mean, a 97-year-old can run, but people don't have to elect them. But the United States, they'll elect these people. So the people in the United States have a problem. They're, they're not normal. They're insane in many ways because they elect these people. So and they, they can bitch and moan all they want about, oh, I don't have any other choice. You do have a choice. You have a choice to vote for a Green Party candidate who's 62 years old, a Libertarian Party candidate. In the primary, you have a choice of eight, nine people who are younger. And then you could also not vote, right? So you have a choice. I don't have this bullshit of, oh, we have, we have no choice. You do have a choice. It's absolute uh, horseshit, cop-out to say you have no choice. You have a choice. But the majority chooses to vote for the old people, the old guy. Take responsibility, America. But you have such clear choices. I mean, I hear Ron DeSantis talk, and I say, how can anyone prefer Donald Trump? I hear RFK Jr. talk, and I say, how can anyone prefer Joe Biden? How? How is it, how is it po possible how is it possible? You put candidate like a DeSantis against a Trump in Colombia. There's no way a Trump wins. You put a candidate like RFK Jr. against Biden in this country, Colombia. There's no way Joe Biden wins. There's no chance. So what's wrong with Americans? What's wrong with Americans? And if you believe Trump's going to win, you're insane. Trump's going to jail. He's being, he has about eight people who have just turned, eight of his closest fucking friends. His chief of staff is turning on him. Your chief of staff is like your fucking connection. It's like you're connected to hip. They're all turning on him. They're all going to turn state's evidence against him. Trump is going to jail. If you think he's going to the White House, you're fucking insane. You're a crazy, fucking, insane, fuck up person. He's going to jail. He's not going to the White House. He can barely fucking talk. He's a belligerent fool. All they can talk about are Ron DeSantis' height and his fucking shoes. These people are fucking crazy. They're a goddamn cult. No one in Colombia talks about the candidate's boots. No one talks about the candidate being under 5'11". 
Only sick fucking Americans think this stuff matters because they're fucked up in the head, uniquely American fuckheads. That's why. Yes, I'm cursing a lot. Because when you see how normal people are here, you realize how fucked up Americans are. And they better get unfucked or the country is fucking done. It's done. The only choice Trump's going to have is, is he going to be the top or the bottom? Is he the top or is uh, Bankman Fried the top? That's going to be his choice about a year from now. As the election's actually happening, right, a year from now, his choice will be, am I going to be the top or the bottom? And believe me, he's a, he's a bottom. He's a bottom. But then again, I'm a pessimist. Maybe that debate stage a year from now will be DeSantis, Biden, and RFK Jr. That'll be fun. It's possible. It's America, though. I saw how these things have gone in the past. I saw how it went with Hillary and Bernie and Biden, Bernie, and I've seen these things. So I I don't have any optimism when it comes with the best candidate standing in the end. I still think Ron DeSantis is going to win the primary easily. It won't even be close, but, you know, well, you know, if that happens, RFK Jr. is going to get high enough polling percentages and he's going to be making enough money campaign wise to to get on those debate stages so if biden decides not to uh debate which is just like trump will not be shocking great let it be desantis and rfk jr america has to stop embarrassing itself and when you live there you know it's embarrassing but when you step outside for a while you realize how embarrassing America is. It's very embarrassing. The visuals are not good. The visuals of an 80-year-old president are not good. The visuals of two 80-year-olds who can barely speak going at it are not good. The visuals of a Senate minority leader having a stroke twice while he's talking, whatever the fuck he had, is not good. The visuals of a 90-year-old senator dying in her sleep it's not good. These things don't happen here. These things don't happen in other places the way they happen in the United States. So I'm telling you the visuals are bad. I'm telling you it's embarrassing. I'm telling you people laugh at us. And they have every right to laugh at us because they're above us. We're not above them. Trust me on that. They're above us as humans. They're above us as politically connected people. They're above us as intellectual thinkers. They're above us in, th- in, in knowing what's important and what's not. There's not much talk about guns here or abortion or trans or these idiotic, moronic, uniquely American wedge issues. So they're above us in so many ways. And yes, the United States is the third world country. They will want you to believe, just like during COVID, They wanted you to believe in California 
that everyone died in Florida. They don't want you traveling there because they don't want you to see the truth. America doesn't want you traveling to places like Colombia. They want you to believe that Colombia is a third world country and America is this great, beautiful, shining star democracy. Garbage. Get out. What was the moral of this show? Get out and learn. Get out and see for yourself. Get out and see for yourself. And then you'll know. Don't be afraid. Step outside your comfort zone. And then you'll see the truth. But they don't want that happening. So they tell you bullshit, fairy tales, like everyone's died of COVID in Florida, that, uh, you know, you can't go to Colombia because a drug lord will kill you or kidnap you. They want you to believe this stuff. And many Americans do. There's a unique American ignorance that is, it's revolting to me. It makes me sick, makes me physically ill. And you do it to yourselves. You cannot blame the government. You can't blame the government because if I could do it, someone of very limited financial means, if I could go to Florida several times during COVID and see the truth, if I can come to Columbia, so can you. So can you. All right, is there anything else? I want to say Israel, Trump, Biden, the elections. Um, I will report next week on what happens here on Sunday. Once again, the elections, the local elections here for governor and mayor and such here on Sunday. And I'm going to watch how the election goes, how the election returns are reported. All that stuff I'm going to I'm going to, I'm going to talk about next week at some point. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, I couldn't get John Williams. You know, John Williams usually intros me to do film reviews. I don't feel comfortable doing it without John. John, believe it or not, couldn't travel to Medellin. I know, I know, you know. But, you know, so, you know, since... Uh, you know, since he couldn't uh, travel to Medellin, I'll just probably not do the film reviews. But in general, if you want to see, um, if you want to see uh, the uh, Killers of the Fly, oh, that's another interesting thing. I can I can end on a light note. So when you go to see movies here, you have two choices. One is <laughs> dubbed, so you'll hear you know you'll hear uh, DiCaprio or De Niro speaking Spanish. You know, some some Spanish guy, hey, with a deep voice, some Spanish voiceover guy <laughs> talking De Niro or coming out of Caprio's mouth, which I think is totally stupid. I think a lot of people here think it's stupid, too, because a lot of local people see the version I see, which is the only version I can see, which is the original English version with Spanish subtitles. Helps you learn Spanish a little bit there as well. So that's what I do. I see the original English version with the Spanish subtitles, but it makes a lot more sense than having a deep Latino voiceover guy <laughs> doing doing the, the voice of Robert De Niro. So that's the way I see movies here. You have those two choices. You have to make sure you go to the right showing. You don't want to go to the wrong one because you won't know what the hell's going on if you see the dub version, if you don't understand Spanish. So that's pretty interesting about movies. They're also very cheap here, like everything else. Oh. Okay, so everything else is cheap here. It's so cheap here. 
it's very cheap. I want to, once again, I want to make it clear for Americans, not for Colombians, for Americans. Well, it's cheaper for Colombians too. I mean, you know, obviously it's not expensive the way the states are, but it's very affordable for Americans because of the uh, currency exchange and, and such. And movies here. I went to a movie tonight and I, uh, I, I paid basically the equivalent of 10 US dollars for the movie for a popcorn and a water. A movie, medium-sized popcorn and a bottle of water all cost me roughly $10 US. It would have been 30, 35 in San Francisco. And you'll see this kind of thing often here. I went to a dinner tonight. I went to an Italian restaurant at a wonderful homemade pasta. They made homemade pasta with, with mushrooms or, uh, uh, and, uh, and um, chicken. And it was about five and a half, five dollars U.S. It would have been thirty dollars in a restaurant in San Francisco. So you see this everywhere. But there's a service here, which in the in the quote unquote first world country, you don't even have this. I know you have Postmates. We have Postmates in the United. I'm going to start talking like that. By the way, you have you have <laughs> you have Postmates in the United States, but here they have something called Rappi R A P P I, and they deliver just like Postmates or Uber Eats from restaurants, which takes time because the restaurant has to cook it. But they also have a service, which is everything is delivered in less than 10 minutes. They all ride motorbikes, motorcycles. If you look at my videos on X are very popular here, incredibly popular. And they drive, you got to watch anyway. So they ride on their motorcycles and they deliver uh, basic things, uh, water, toilet paper, a paper towel, Red Bull, that kind of stuff, your basic needs, right? And they come in less than 10 minutes. It's the most amazing service. I just ordered a Red Bull, three bottles, three one liter bottles of water. The whole thing came to $3 US and the guy was here in less than five minutes. I mean, they are just, it, I wish we had that service in the United States, but for some reason in the United States, you can't get things delivered in a couple of minutes, but here you can. And they use motorcycles. That's what they do. They use motorcycles and they just, they, and they go to a, a local convenience store and they pick it up and they must have a deal with the convenience store. They pick it up and they bring it to you. So they have it all laid out where it can be done in, in, in I could not believe you literally order it and it's there. I've never seen this before in this so-called third world country that they want you to believe. So that's a great thing also, the food, the affordability of it, the quality of it, and the, um, they're becoming very tech savvy here. Very, very tech savvy. They really are doing a good job with that. All right, I've done an hour and a half. It's one in the morning here um, in, in, uh, in Medellin. And uh, I think that's about to change. Are you guys doing the clocks? They don't do the clocks here, by the way. Another great thing about here is they don't do the ridiculous clock ahead, clock behind, clock ahead, clock behind. It, that's kind of a sickness in itself, right? Isn't that psychotic? Clock ahead, clock behind, clock behind. You know, they don't do it in Arizona, at least. I think parts of Indiana. But uh, they do it in most of the country. Even though they're constantly bullshitting, they're going to end it. So I think your clocks are about to go where? It's fall back, spring ahead. So fall back, right? You're about to fall back an hour. So after you fall back an hour, 
See, Columbia is on Eastern Standard Time because it's just south of Florida, like directly south. It's about a three-hour flight from Miami. So it's uh, Florida time. When you're on Standard Time, it's Florida time. When you do the clock craziness during daylight time, it, it's uh, we're, we're aligned with uh, Central Time. So I think right now we're still, yeah, yeah, Central Time. So 1 o'clock Central Time. It's going to change, though. We'll be Eastern Time again here momentarily okay all right all right i want to thank everyone for listening remember i usually do the show five days a week when i'm in the states but here you know i don't want to you know i'm usually very tired here by my usual air time of 11 p.m pacific 2 a.m eastern because i have full days here so it's tough but i will do shows you know i've been doing at least once a week i've been doing a show trying to report on what i see here i will watch the election this Sunday, I'll report on that and anything else that's happening in the States next week. All right? You've been listening to and let's be heard. And until next time, this is Mike Chopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.